Truly there is nothing I desire more than to be in the presence of God. Hallelujah. There is nothing I desire more than to be in the presence of God. And nothing ushers in the presence of God more than the people of God. Who would get together worshiping the Lord. The scripture says to us clearly that where two or three are gathered, touching anything concerning me, I'm in the midst to bless and do good. And so what we are doing by coming together is encouraging the presence of the Lord and encouraging him into our lives. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we're asking the Lord's presence, specifically his Holy Spirit, to come into us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. To have residence with us. To like set up shop. This is your place. Feel comfortable. Don't feel rushed. You are here and we welcome you in. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of the Lord. I'm so blessed and honored that we are together today. Before you take your seats, I just want to read a, sh a small scripture into your hearing. Just a really short one. Um, it's in e Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to have to find it myself. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 6 reads this. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearance, one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Please take your seat. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I have been so um, um, kind of inspired by recently to talk more about one of the kind of chief functions of the church. It's to help people get closer to Christ, and the way Christ would have us get closer to him is through this idea of rebirth. Like you were born one way, but the Lord is telling you and inviting you into new relationship with him through rebirth. Our anchor scripture for this entire topic has been in St. John chapter three, and it's this encounter that Jesus has with this man called Nicodemus, this ruler of the Jews, this guy who was a bit, who, who knew a lot about Jewish law. Pharisee, he was the guy, the one. He was the man when it comes to being a ruler and knowledge of the law. What was fundamentally problem with, with, with Nicodemus is that he didn't understand what new relationship with Christ would mean. And Jesus says to him, you must be born again. You must be born again. And this is this idea that we have life, but we don't have the right kind of life until we have an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus says to him, you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. And I've been introducing scriptures that kind of reinforce and kind of show you how that is the case in scripture. And I've got a few more for you this week again. And I'm looking forward to sharing with you. But I get really excited when I talk about baptism, when I talk about rebirth, because this is us getting closer to Christ. That's my whole function. That's why I'm here. <laughs> my whole function here, I've got no other 
no other kind of alternative idea behind except for helping people get close to Christ as possible and the scripture tells us exactly how to do that and my job as a preacher and as a teacher is to help you realize what it is you do to get close to Christ amen so I have a few scriptures to share this afternoon the first one I've already shared in Ephesians I'm going to come back to that at the end but I want to actually start in Galatians chapter 3 Paul wrote a letter to the Galatian church so I guess that maybe kind of break down a little bit of history here what we have from the Gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John are basically the, the, the birth, the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's basically what the gospel should, the good news of Jesus. That's what the gospels are. That's the breakdown of New Testament is gospels, epistles, and revelation. Revelations, the book of Revelation is by itself. We, we'll deal with that one at another time. But you have Jesus and his witness, people who witnessed him and saw him, what he did. And then you have the book of Acts, which is kind of like a gospel. In fact, uh, the reason why I say it's kind of like a gospel, it's not a gospel in fact, but it's kind of like a gospel because Luke, the doctor, the disciple, the apostle, wrote both the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And in fact, if you look at the first chapter of both of those books, they're both written, to, epistles, they're both written to the same person. It's like part one is Luke, part two is Acts. He says, and in fact, he starts Acts by saying, hey, you remember that first letter I wrote you? Well, this is a follow-up letter to that. Remember when I wrote and told you all about that man called Jesus? Acts is, now that Jesus has gone back into the glory, and Acts is, this is what we did when he left. <laughs> right? Acts is what we did after he left and said, I'm giving all power to you, into you. Go, go preach, go baptize. Acts is what we did. Now the epistles are kind of separate from Acts, just a little bit separate, because what they are isn't just a, a witness of what was happening, it was a guidance to the church. So when I'm reading to you from the epistles today, from Galatians, Ephesians, and Colossians, what I'm reading to you is kind of like how your boss sends you an email to tell you how he wants the job done. That's what, Gal that's what Galatians, Ephesians, Thessalonians, it's like, you are about the business of the church, but you kind of got things wrong here and you need to do it a bit like this. It's like a follow-up letter. It's like, I told you when I was in your presence, but I had to send you a letter to kind of get you back on track. All right? That's what, that's what the, the, the epistles are about. So I'm going to read to you at multiple epistles. I've already read to you from the gospel what Jesus said. I'm actually going to go leave in Acts till last. That's my favorite one to talk about rebirth and, and I'm leaving Acts till last. So I've got the epistles now. So I've kind of jumped the, what did they do at the beginning of the church? And I'm going to jump all the way to, we've established the church, but you folks aren't listening. <laughs> I'm sending you an email, actually it was a mail, actually snail mail back then. I'm sending you this mail that's going to take months to get to you with an important message. So let's go to the first one, Galatians chapter 3. Verse 26, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, all right? Thank you, Lord. And in Galatians chapter 3, he's actually speaking to mostly a Jewish audience here. And he's trying to tell them, I know you got the law really, really down, but I don't think you understand the power of grace and of Jesus Christ. These people are more like Nicodemus than anybody else, right? They understand who God is. And I want you to understand this, people really get who God is. They get that. 
but they don't understand the advantage you have by knowing Jesus first. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you've got a good start, but I want to get you real, real close. That's what Galatians is about. Trying to tune them in, trying to get them real close to who Jesus is because you're gonna have a much easier time understanding who God is if you have relationship with Jesus. So let me, let me dive in here. In Galatians chapter three, uh, let's start at verse 26. And look at what he says to start with. I love this. And you're gonna learn a lot about me when you're in, I read this. Galatians 3:26 says, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. There's a couple of things that are going on here. For us that who are in church, what it's telling us is that we are children of God. What a wonderful statement. Beautiful statement. Children, you want to know why I call you brothers and sisters? Because we're all children of I call my sister literally sister because we are children of Jelf and Gloria. We are children of God. I'm calling you brother and sister because I'm reaffirming my connection to God and your connection to God. I am reconfirming that connection that we both have to God. It's a familial thing. It's a family thing. <laughs> I feel close to you because I'm close to God and I know you're close to God, so we are brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen? So, so he says, first of all, Verse, for ye are all children of God by faith in who? What is the unifying idea? Not the law, not the things you do right, not the, things, not the 17 things you do right and the three you do wrong. That's not what is making you, you, you a child of God. It's your faith in Christ. So for those who have tried to skip, and he's speaking to these people deliberately, say, for you who are trying to skip Jesus, <laughs> you end up not being his child and doing all the work. <laughs> Can you imagine doing all the work and getting none of the reward because you're believing on the wrong thing? <laughs> That's like handing the, 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 a teacher handing out an assignment. You've done all the work, <laughs> but you didn't show how the work was done. You mean, I know you do that as teachers. Say, so you, can, you can give me the answer, but I need to know how you got there. <laughs> how do we get to the answer? Through Jesus. Don't hand in your work <laughs> and you don't have a connection to the answer. If gotta, you've got to have the answer and you've got to how you got there. How do you get to the answer? Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus. Some people might accidentally end up at the right answer, but you've got to get there the right way. <laughs> all right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Verse 26 says, for you're all children of God. I love that we are together. We are family. We are children of God. And it says, by faith in Jesus Christ. And look what he says in verse 27. As many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. <laughs> you've literally been baptized, the word baptized is from the Greek word baptizio, which is to, to, to be immersed in water. It says as many of you have been immersed in water are literally putting Christ on. So that confirms again, I'm who is Christ? None other than the Son of God, right? I wouldn't refer to us as sons of God, but I'd refer to us as children of God. 
How, are we, how can you possibly be mistake me as a child of God? You say, Mark, I know your past. You may say, Mark, I know you're not a great human being. Mark, I knew you, you, didn't, you didn't say thank you at the last sentence when I gave you that thing. How can you be described as a child of God? Mark, you don't have a really good sense of humor or Mark, you don't have enough patience. How can you be a child of God? And the scripture here tells us exactly how. Because somehow, when I went into baptism in water, I put on Christ Jesus. I don't know how it works. Don't ask me about the mechanics, but I believe it. I have faith to believe it. He says, if you have faith in Christ Jesus, you're a child of God. I'm believing it. What does it say, verse 20? It says, for as many as you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. <laughs> put on Christ. Some of us, I'm realizing, are clothed in the right thing. Putting on Christ is like putting on clothing. It's like you aren't clothed in the right thing and you're not being recognized as a child of God because you haven't got the right thing on. You see how that works? We get close to Christ. I'm just trying to get you closer to Christ. So he says, for you are children of God, by faith in Christ Jesus, says for as many as you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. And look at how transformational this putting on of Christ is. Verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male or female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. I put on Christ, and I'm also in Christ. (laughs) He's not just on the outside now. Christ is also on the inside of me. I become absolutely indiscernible from who Christ is through baptism. So the Christ who paid the price for sin, I don't have to pay the price for sin because he did. And I've put him on and in me. Amen? So what does it say? There is neither Jew nor Greek. Jew or Gentile is actually the the word they would use here. So he's basically saying there is no nationality. <laughs> like your nationality doesn't trump who you are in Christ Jesus. That comes first and last and in the middle. <laughs> like who you are in Christ Jesus is more important than where you were born, where you live. Uh, <laughs> You're saying to me, oh, Mark, some of us have got money in here and some of us don't. I don't know if that's the case. I'm just guessing, yeah. right? He's saying, um, um, Mark, some of us in here are short and some of us are tall. Okay. Say, Mark, some of us here are old and some of us young. And I'm saying to you, none of that matters because you are in Christ Jesus and you have put on Christ Jesus. <laughs> Let me look at this again. It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter. 
Oh, you can, one of the things that would happen um, as part of the Jewish tradition is to name your ancestors. They would, especially if you wanted to be part of the priesthood, you would have to name your ancestors all the way back to the Levitical priesthood. You'd have to prove that you could qualify to be a priest. And the scripture's now saying, that doesn't matter. You can quote, you can go back to, you can go back as far as you like. <laughs> I know that um, in America, one of the things that they have is, um, did you come over in the original boat? Like, I think I remember what it's called, Mary Rose, what was it called? Mayflower. So did you come over in the Mayflower? Like, did you have a relative? That's a big deal. Like, to be able to connect yourself back to the Mayflower. Or did you, you know, did you come from a, doesn't matter. I don't care how you got here. <laughs> Jesus has been in me and on me through baptism. <laughs> I'm not trying to get a good seat for one person and a bad seat for another person. As far as I'm concerned, all I'm seeing is Jesus in you, Jesus on you. That's the only thing I want to know. Don't care how much money you've got, don't care how much debt you've got. Jesus in you, Jesus on you. <laughs> Let me go to verse 28 again. It says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither Jew nor Greek. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter about any of those things. It doesn't matter where your citizenship is. It says, he also goes on to say, there is neither bond, enslaved, or free. This transcends even our society and its definition of bond, enslaved, or free. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> Can you imagine a state you're in where your debt, your status doesn't matter to him? Oh, I love this. Many of us think we are defined by maybe the test we take and how well we'll be able to take it. Do I have a degree or not? Am I qualified? Do I live in a nice neighborhood? <laughs> How do I keep up with that neighbor and I can't keep up with that neighbor? And I'm here to tell you, does it matter? It says neither bond nor free. Neither male nor female doesn't care how you were born. Doesn't care if it was X, Y, Y, what? It doesn't care. In Christ Jesus. And what does he go on to say in verse 29? This is what I love. If ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise Abraham got. <laughs> so you mean to tell me, according to the scripture, that I have all the same promises, whatever everybody else who descends directly from Abraham. If I am in Christ Jesus, I get all the same promises. Oh. The scripture tells us that we who were not a people became a people. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you, if I go back too far, I couldn't tell you anything about my family. That's a necessary, necessary function of just what it is to be me, and I'm okay with that. But you also know what I can say with all sincerity and honesty? I'm a child of Abraham. <laughs> I can take it all the way back because of what Jesus has done for me. I've got like four generations I can map back to about. And after that, it becomes a, a bit fuzzy. 
You can say, well, okay, well, maybe you were, you know how we do, yeah, we were princes and kings back in Africa. Maybe, I don't know. But what I do know is that I'm a child of Abraham now. <laughs> Amen. I'm a child of Abraham by faith. So what does the sap mean? The same promises that Abraham has, I will make you a great nation. We get. That is a blessing. That's not something I'm willing to miss out on lightly. Amen. I want the blessings and the promises of Abraham. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This scripture confirms it. I love it. And if ye be in Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Whatever promise Abraham gets, I'm an heir to it. Say, Mark, you don't have the right last name. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Mark, I knew good and well you were born in England in a small town somewhere out there. It doesn't matter. I'm Abraham's heir according to the word. Amen? Whatever, he, whatever you think Abraham should get, give me my portion. <laughs> because of Jesus. Ah, glory. Anybody who doesn't have family, you have it now. Anybody who doesn't have an inheritance, you have it now. I'm blessed to come out of a family, uh, family who, who knows each other, but those who don't come out of family, you get family. We're brothers and sisters now. We're splitting the same inheritance. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Let's keep going now. I've got another epistle to show you, another one of these letters. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Thank you, Lord. If you find that for me, please help me. Uh, let's go to the Colossians chapter 2. Let's start at verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. For in him dwelleth, or who we're talking about, Colossians chapter 2, verse, who we're saying the him is, for in him dwelleth the, everything about the Godhead, everything that we know about God dwells in him. And who are we talking about? Jesus All right, let's actually, before we continue there, just to confirm, I like to confirm my scriptures with other scriptures. Let's go to St. John chapter 1 and verse 14, I think if my memory serves. St. John chapter 1 and 14. I'll read this one. St. John chapter 1 and 14 says, and the word, that same word that was in the beginning, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Back to our scripture now. That same Christ is all the world, is the word and the Godhead in the person of Christ. So you're asking me, well, where do I get these promises? Exactly from God, because God was in Christ and Christ made the promise. Now I've got it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So keep, let's keep reading. For... In him For in him dwelleth, yes, the fullness uh -huh. of the Godhead yes. bodily. Bodily, yes. And ye are complete in him. Right. Which are the head of all the principalities and power. So not only do we know now that by faith we put on and in Jesus, but we also know that before we put on and in Jesus, we're actually incomplete. Because what does it say? Read that again. And for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Yeah, yes. And ye are complete in ah, him. Ah, we are complete in him. In him, yes, sir. <laughs> 
There is something about us that gets completed when we are in him. <laughs> you know, one of the things I'll say, I have a wonderful marriage, I really do. I have a, I'm blessed with, with my marriage, a wonderful marriage. But I can't get my meaning out of my marriage. That's too much weight for my marriage to bear. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not, comp you know that kind of Jerry Maguire, I don't remember Jerry Maguire, the film. You complete me, you remember that one? Yes. That was a famous line. And I guess what, not what he was saying, but that's too much to weight, too much weight. You can't ask somebody to carry the weight of your soul. That's too much. <laughs> you know who can complete your soul? You are the one who really can fix that? It's the Christ. He completes us. It's not, you're not gonna get, if you give that to somebody else to complete in you, that will destroy them and you in the attempt. We are complete in Christ Jesus. That's why I'm encouraging you to get close relationship. Get yourself complete. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen one of those children when they are, um, when they're trying to put the holes, the, the kind of shape through the holes, and they can't get it through. They, they are put, they're assuming forcing the shape is what's necessary. It needs more force. They're not saying to themselves, let's change the shape and slip it straight through. I'm telling you, you have a shape Something that is missing in you, yeah, okay. and the shape of it isn't your partner, isn't your wife, isn't your husband, isn't even your kids. It is the shape of Christ. And you've got to make sure you've got the right thing for the right hole, the incompleteness that is in you. Amen. Let's keep reading that. And ye are complete in You're complete. He's found the right piece to make you okay, to make you whole, to make you right again. He's made you are complete, yes. not by yourself, not with your partner. You're complete with him. Let's keep going. Which is the head of all principality and power. So the one who made you complete is actually the one who's in control of everything. Yes. <laughs> I don't want anything else to try to take the place. I don't have a substitute that can take the place of who Christ is. I need him to have the right position. My wife's going to be right there with me trying to get her completeness too. Amen? Amen? But she's not the one who's going to complete. That's the wrong shape. And as much as I push and I force and I try to cram her in that shape, it's not going to work. Let's keep going, sir. And whom also ye are circumcised. Yes. With the circumcision made without hands. Without hands. And putting off the body of sin <laughs> of the flesh. Here, here, Paul, here Paul is making a really great statement. He's saying there's a, there's a kind of circumcision going on here that basically isn't about the flesh. It's about putting off the parts of you that is sin. Yes, yes. And he's described it like circumcision. He's saying, look, you, there's part of you that's not going to be any good, and, we, and only Christ will be able to get rid of that for you. Amen? Doesn't matter how you think you can fix it, Christ is the one who needs to help that part of you in the flesh. Let's keep going, sir. Also, you are circumcised with the circumcision without hands. Yeah, this isn't about the fleshly circumcision. This is a spiritual circumcision. Keep going. And putting off the body of sin right. of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Exactly. Let's keep going, sir. Buried with him in baptism. Okay, now we got to the part I wanted to get to. Okay, so now we're going to the part where I wanted to get to. How do we get to this point where we put off 
that part of us that is is so uh, antithetical to who God is that is so against God how do we get that part away from us we do it through what buried with him I'm buried with him I've told you about this before but I love this idea that if I am dead any debt I have you're just gonna have to that's between you and whoever else you can find I don't care how much I owe you you can't extract anything more out of me if I'm gone like whatever you've lost is you've lost and that's what's happening with you and your sin that's what's happening with you and all the things that are wrong with you Christ is saying I've buried that and the thing that's getting up is me I'm in and on you <laughs> so we get buried with Christ and we come up and let's keep reading buried with him yeah. in baptism wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead but you don't have to die completely this isn't what this is about this is about you being buried and coming right back up by the power of the resurrection do you know how powerful that has to be the power of the resurrection raises you up a new person all things all the old things and the problems have gone away and you become a new creature in Christ Jesus let's just read that verse again buried with him in baptism yes wherein also he risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead okay read the next verse and you yeah being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh has he quickened together with him, having forgiven all your trappings. So he forgives everything, and instead of being alive and alone, you are alive and together with Christ Jesus. Remember, he's in you. He's on you. That means you're together. Read that last verse again that you just read there. And you being dead yep. in your sins. When you were dead in your sins. And the, earth, and the uncircumcision yep. of your flesh has he quickened together. He's, with the him. word quickened simply means he's made you alive. Okay, it's a really old school world, but it means made you alive. Let's keep going. With him. So you're alive now, not by yourself, but with him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> keep going, sir. Having forgiven you all trespasses. And once you get up alive with him, he forgives everything. Yeah. It's a reset. A new identity. This is new identity time. I've had some investments that didn't work out and I'd have loved to have got a brand new identity. Like I don't want to have to pay that bill. I know I bought the thing that the thing was, I, I ran that credit card up, but what would have been good for me is a brand new identity. What does Jesus do with the debt you can't pay? Gives you a new identity. I love it. And all I've got to do is believe. Here's the thing, you've tried to skip Christ, you don't get any of these benefits. We're not brothers and sisters, we're not children of God, we're not dead from our debts and alive to him. All these benefits we miss without Christ. One more scripture, one more, one more, then I'll take my seat, just one more. First Peter 3, First Peter 3, 18 through 21, I'm going to real brief, take my seat. First Peter 3, if I can find it here. 
18 through 21. For Christ also once suffered for sin. All right. Another point. You're saying to myself, you're saying to yourself, okay, Mark, um, I've done lots of things wrong. It wasn't just one incident. It was tons of them. <laughs> and in fact, even since the baptism, stuff has not gone all the way right all the time. And you're saying to yourself, well, don't I need another sacrifice? And first Peter is Peter telling the people of God, that is not what you need. Yes. You don't need another sacrifice. Christ is suffered once yes. for the things you've gone through. Let's keep reading. For Christ also has once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust. And this is the part I love. It's not like we found him, he, he suffered for us because he was the guilty one. He was just, I was unjust. Like he knew that it wasn't for him that he was dying. It was for me. So now I get all the benefits of being just because I've got Christ in and on me. And all the punishment is on him. Not correctly, but nonetheless, I am in Christ Jesus now. He takes the suffering, I take the grace. Isn't that, that's the kind of relationship we really want, where somebody does the work and you get the benefit? Like, that's, that, that's the best relate. I can't think of a negative part of this relationship. Let's keep going, sir. Let me get going. For Christ yes. also has once suffered for sins, yep. the just for the unjust, yes. that he might bring us to God, yes. being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So he did all this. Why? so that we can get relationship with God. So he can draw us closer to God. Yes. All right, this is what my job is. I told you at the start, this is my whole job, is to help you get best, the best relationship with Christ and the Father that you can possibly have. And he said, Jesus was the one who gets you in close relationship. So I've got to get you in close relationship with Jesus so you can have close relationship with the eternal Father. Okay, amen? Let's keep going. That he might bring us to God, Yes. put to death, in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Yes. By which also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Yes. So during, during his death, he went and preached to those who were in prison. Yes, keep going. Which sometime were disobedient <laughs> when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. So he's now describing this to similar situation as the day of Noah, when everybody was doing their own thing. You know the story of Noah. The earth was decided to destroy the earth because it was so evil. And the scripture says that the Lord said, I'm going to destroy it by water. He goes ahead and destroys it by water. But for the, the destruction that were for other people ended up being the saving of Noah's family. Yes. Yes. Let's keep reading here. Which sometime were disobedient, which once long, with the long suffering of God, once waited in the days of Noah. Yes. While the ark was preparing with Wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Eight people were saved by the same water that was destroying everybody else. Wow. Yes. Eight people were actually, if without the water, would have been lost because they needed the, to float on the water. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here he's describing this the same way that we are saved. Yeah. Let's keep reading this last part here. 
in the same way that these eight people were saved by water, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. even baptism, the same way that this, this Noah's family saved by water, he's saying we are saved by water just the same way. Oh gosh, Noah's family was saved by water, you think? So exactly are we. <laughs> we are saved by water, by this baptism. Let's keep going. Whereunto even baptism does also now save It absolutely saves you. I've got to push back on a little bit of, of things I've heard recently that it's just symbolic. No, it's not true. It's not just about symbolism. It's about literally saving you. Amen? Let's keep going. Let's also now save us, not the putting away of the filters of the And just to be clear, it's not about washing your outside man. It's not about just cleaning this outside person in baptism. That's not what this is about. But the answer of a good conscience towards God. But the answering of a good conscience to make the conscience yes. right towards God. It's more than just symbolism. It's more than just the outside man. It's about getting it right with God. Amen. Let's keep going. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By the same power of the resurrection in Christ Jesus. I'm going to take us all the way back to where we started with Ephesians. And chapter, in fact, if you could find that, Ephesians chapter 4. And we will end in the name of the Lord Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4. I'll read this one, 4 through 6. Thank you so much. Uh, there is one body. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> there is just one body. There is one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. May the Lord add a blessing to this world.